This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson, you know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's music row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ten years into our career, we had just an absolute meltdown of all kinds for probably two to three years. There's no encouraging word for the show. It is just get through it, whatever it takes. Episode 410. This is Bear, the lead singer of Need to Breathe. I'm going to play a few clips. The top three streaming songs from Need to Breathe. Here's Brother with Gavin DeGraw. Here is Multiplied. Here is Testify. The Caves World Tour is going to head out with Judah and the Lions starting August 11th in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And their ninth studio album, Caves, is due. It's out September 15th. I am a Need to Breathe fan. Bear, Seth, Josh, Randall, Tyler, this group of guys. Man, they're really good. The live show is really good. Uh, from Seneca, South Carolina, he talks about that, how he got to Nashville. It started off, Bear and his brother performed at a coffee house at Furman University, where Bear, who talks about why his name Bear, was, by the way, it was named after somebody famous in football, and was also a big football player, um, the lead singer. So, let's hear about it. And it's pretty cool he came to the house. I don't know, I guess I thought he, he seems a lot bigger. Like taller, more well, muscular. no, I, like looking at him, I thought because I was, I thought he was like six four yeah. when I sat with him. Not, not in a picture. I didn't go. I, I can't believe he's so big. And then he gets there and he's Danny DeVito. No, I didn't know how big he was. And he walked in and I was like, dang, dude's big. Maybe he was in boots, but he's also like ripped. Yeah. And then I knew he was like a excellent college football player. So, but yeah, I wouldn't mess with him. No, not at if, all. If he would have said I'm five six in this interview, I still wouldn't mess with him. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. For sure. Uh, his wife was here too. She didn't say anything. And we did talk about her a little bit later, but she's sitting right there, right beside him kind of. And so that was interesting to watch him talk about her and see her face. I never really went to her because I didn't know if she wanted to be on or not. Yeah, her not jumping in. Yeah. But then I learned after the interview, they had done an interview together before. And I was like, dang, I should have brought her in. But you just never know, you know. Need to breathe. 
Got a new album coming out. You can follow them on Instagram and TikTok at Need to Breathe. And here we go with episode 410. Good to see you. Been a fan for a long time. Dude, thanks, man. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, so I guess how we have been connected is my PR person, Christy, said, hey, will you have on Bear or Need to Breathe? And I was like, yeah, when? What day? <laughs> Tomorrow? An hour That's from awesome, now? Man. And this is like a month ago. And she was, she's like, well, we just started working with them. And she's awesome. Yeah. And I was like, well, yeah, that's all. I didn't, and I didn't uh, know you guys lived here in Nashville. Yeah. Do, does the whole years. band live here? No, they're all over the place. And that's, as a kid, I could never imagine a band living in different places yeah. or a wrestling tag team. Those yeah, are like yeah, the two totally. things that I thought lived right, together right. all the time. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, it's, and it's tougher for sure. And in the early days, there was, there was no way that would have been possible. We all lived in Charleston together for about 10 years and then Seneca, South Carolina before that. One of my, so, I guess there are a couple of buddies of mine. They're in a country duo, and one of them lives here now, and one lives in Florida. Yeah, but and what they were telling me is, when you're on the road, you're on the road. You don't yeah. have to ride yeah, there true. together. So that you know, yeah, right, you, yeah. you kind of just no. meet there. Yeah. If you've spent time together, you already know each other and know. So was that an issue with you guys when you first when you guys first started separating? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I think we we just changed the way we. It's mainly recording is the thing. That's the tough part. The road stuff, like you come in for a couple of days of rehearsals and that's all here, which is nice for me. And they've chosen to have that extra part of it. Um, but now we, we like, we'll get a house, you know, for a week to 10 days or something and get in there and like do all the demos, you know, that way. And like, it just, I mean, it's not even just living in the same town, just growing up, you know, back in the day, it was like, you're in the van together all the yep. time. And so all the scheming goes on late at night when you're got nothing else to do. And so we, I feel like we have to kind of create that space now. Um, but they, but we kind of love that too. You know, we turn our phones off and like stay somewhere for 10 days and don't leave and just get, go back to garage band style. You do you know? guys, and I'm only half kidding, but you still like each other. We, we actually really love each other. Yeah. Um, it's, and that's, you know, that's always an ebb and flow probably. Um, but it's a huge, I think as we gotten older, I mean, we're on the ninth record now. So it's like, it's become such a, so important to everybody. So we put a lot of time into that part. I feel like the culture around, you know, not just the band, but the crew and everybody just like, you know, if you don't want to be here and not enjoying it, you know, it's not good for your family. It's not good for anybody. Our show is a bit like that where the radio show that I do, it's me and basically all my friends. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I hired a bunch of people that didn't know what they were doing. And so, like, my co-host Amy and I have been together for how long, Mike, you think? 17, 17 years. Oh, wow. yeah. My best friend Eddie and I have been doing this for, like, 14 Lunchbox. Another guy on my show for, like, 18 years. And it's kind of – it's ebbed and flowed very much like human relationships have. Yeah. Um, we had human relationships f- f- first which became professional. Yeah. And there have been times with each individual person that it's not been great, but that's every friend that you ever have your whole life. Yeah. You have a long-term yeah. friendship with. Yeah. You have to, you go through good and bad just because it's been so long since yeah. you guys have been together. And so I really like admire that in a band who can stay together. Yeah. It's not easy. It's, it's been, um, the hardest part but i think early on like we would we would meet like bands that we thought were heroes at the time you know and they're basically just stay together that's the hardest thing to do and so i think we always had it in the back of our mind and we are better at it now i do feel like we have i'm having more fun playing music than i ever have in terms of just like i know it's what i love to do what i'm here to do and that's comforting 
you know, you don't feel like it, there's no exit strategy for it. Cause it's like, this is your choice. You you're in it. Um, and so that's been good. And, and then it's just, we keep it light too, man. It's, it's, and we still have fun. Like we're kids when we get together, it, it's very, you know, summer campy, I guess, or whatever it is, it's sort of a gang kind of passionate fan bases are often territorial. Yeah. You guys have a very passionate fan base. Mm-hmm. They are also very territorial and there's balance with loving your fans and going, I appreciate all the support. And then also being like, yo, guys, chill out just a little bit. Yeah. You know, and sometimes yeah. I got to tell you to my people like, yo, chill out just a little bit. Like, I know you, you love us. You're in it. Yeah. But, but, oh, like, don't go as crazy on other folks for me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. do, you ever, do you ever feel that way that you're, cause you, um, have, you have some diehard fans. Yeah, we do. But I, I would say it's good. It's interesting. Like they, we started this thing. I don't know, 10 years ago, we did start doing compadres tours where we were like, we'll bring our friends out. And, and we found out like, it wasn't necessarily the music ties. It was more culturally the thing that mattered. So we brought out Ben Rector, like is a good example, you know, drew Holcomb, all these guys that like I was buddies and played golf with and stuff. And our fans really embrace those artists. Um, and so I, now I feel like at least if they're kind of under our umbrella, you mm-hmm. know, like we kind of welcome them in then then they're really cool to that. Um, and we haven't done a ton of the other thing. We opened, you know, we've done, we've done two opening tours our whole career, which was, well, I'll say in the last 15 years. And it was Taylor Swift and, uh, One Republic most recently. So that's the only time is when it's like, you know, and we'll get on the boards and defend the other bands. Cause it's like, this is ridiculous. You know what I mean? It <laughs> yeah. just, you know what I mean? It's stupid. They're getting, you know, One Republic was giving us the opportunity to play in front of these people, you know, they're fans. Like that's a big deal. Like treat them with respect. It's like, I don't care if you don't like the music or you don't like the way they do something. Um, and I, I yeah, I, I think that goes, it's, it's, it's that way every way. I mean, we have a sort of spiritual underpinning to what we do. So that's always been the tricky part because it's like, Oh, they, that you played their song on this TV show. Now we, you know, like you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done, you know, a lot of weird judgment without, um, sort of seeing the reason behind it, I think. Yeah. And somewhat it's just a numbers game too. Right. I mean, even with like my security issues I've had where people are trying to like kill me, that doesn't happen because I'm like so good or so bad at what I do. It's just, when you talk to millions of people yeah. you got a couple nuts in there and that's like no security doubt. but it's also with the popularity of you guys when you get so big you're just going to have some people that you got to be like hey you're not really representing the brand like we'd like yeah, for yeah. you to have yeah um, no you, you mentioned rector is one of my best friends and so and i'm not going to speak for ben but with ben some people will just insert meaning into his songs you're like, and wait, it, what? He's like, yeah. I didn't want to roll that song. But if that's what that's, yeah, yeah. want to fight with him about it. He's like, yeah, hey, that's where you, what's, what you find in the song. Yeah. Do you find that that happens a bit with you guys as well? Yeah. I mean, for sure. I think, um, and I think it's, I think we would say this about genre as well. It's just like, you know, when we were coming up, like the niche things were like emo or whatever it was, like My Chemical Romance, stuff like that. It was like a very, like, if you're not one of those bands, then what are you, you know? And we didn't like that. So the same, we just don't like classification. You don't want, you really don't want borders up to why people can like the music. That's ultimately. And we were saying that out loud, but then at the, at the Christian thing, it made us like bristle even more for some reason. I think mainly just because the truth is like it, most people, when they're saying it, they're saying it in a derogatory way. They're trying to write off the music by saying it. Um, but then we kind of had to look at it ourselves and go like, well, if we say this about these other genres or these other classifications that we got to be able to say it there, um, so, yeah, I think, I think there's been more of an embrace of the idea of like, if somebody relates to your music, that's the point. 
you know, and, and it doesn't really matter to us why. And, and I think in terms of songwriting, my whole like philosophy with it is, is like, I come from like a Springsteen writing school of like, you know, the meanings are layered in there and they're personal. And you hope that like a piece of that line really, you know, somebody that connects to them in whatever way, the power of it is that I didn't think of it. You know, and so I think that that is the same way. So if, if I'm, if we're at a show and like someone's like raising their hands to like some song that has nothing to do with God, really, um, I just kind of have to be like, yeah, cool. You're into it. You want to hula hoop to it, whatever you want to do. Um, I think that's, yeah, I think we just have, have gotten better at it. We still, I still feel that pinch of like, we were playing the house blues, um, like maybe a month ago or whatever. And I heard the bartender go like, who's playing tonight? You know, it's like some Christian band. You know, that stings to me because it's like, man, we really tried this whole time to like just be a band. And and that feels like some way, you know, um, limiting us to that, you know. So, yeah, that's probably where the biggest struggle is still. Man, when someone calls me a DJ, that stings. I was trying to think what my what the parallel was for me. And they're like, yeah, this DJ. And I'm like, oh, I don't even care about the music I play. I don't play a whole lot of music. I, I'm hired to talk. And every once in a while, I'll be like, I like this song. But most people that came up the way I came were thought, well, that's called a DJ who right. plays music. <laughs> right. So when I get to see, yeah, it's like, I like wince at like, oh, I don't like that. But then I have to go, okay, I can't blame them. Sure. At what they heard and how they interpreted. But I do, I hate it. It makes yeah. me, oh, I want to punch somebody in the face when they yeah. call me a DJ. Yeah. It's like by the worst. Oh, you call me anything. Just don't right. call me a freaking <laughs> DJ, man. <laughs> Yeah. But you, and again, I am, I guess. And also I feel insulted for like real DJs. That right. Yeah, right. That's yeah, like a real it. talent. Yeah, that's yeah. a real skill. Yeah. But when somebody goes to that Christian band, you guys are, I mean, you are a bunch of Christians. Yeah. And you are a band that was no, but you're not just that. Yeah. And I do, I do feel that when you, and I didn't until you said that right there, but I was like, DJ, 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 yeah. DJ. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, first time I saw you guys was at. It was in Austin, Texas, Frank Irwin Center. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's probably been 10 years or so. Yeah. And uh, I hope this is not insulting. Um, my friend was like, hey, there's a really good Christian band coming. <laughs> right, yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. But I didn't, it didn't feel like, and I grew up uh, in church and going to a lot of Christian shows. But it didn't feel like, it felt like a rock. Yeah. It felt like a rock or like a, like a blues type show. Yeah. And I remember going... Oh, that they're like that's kind of like Switchfoot at the time. Yeah, that's yeah, what I was sure. thinking. Yeah. I was like, because Switchfoot, they're not going. We're Switchfoot. We're a Christian band. We're guys who do like freaking good music, and we're just also Christians. Yeah, I remember thinking that about you guys then, and I could be totally wrong. But is there any relation at all to how they did their music? Like a Switchfoot? Oh, for sure. Career wise, I mean, that was something that. So I grew up like when dad was a preacher, we were, and, and at the time, not now, I was like very conservative about that stuff. So I could only listen to Christian music when I was a kid. And so when something good came out that like had that crossover or whatever that, you know, appeal, like basically my friends also liked it. That was a massive thing for me at 15, 16. It was like, oh, you know, this, this is not just limited to this thing, this genre that I, the truth is at the time I didn't really like. Um, and so seeing them do that and getting to know them over the years like yeah there was a lot of especially early on there was like oh how did you do it right and john's like don't do it it's crazy don't you know but i think yeah we we admired the fact that like it was bigger than that that genre and 
And uh, yeah, so I think that's probably where it like ends in terms of the comparisons where you have toured together, you know, a good bit. And I may ask some really Swedish, dumb questions yeah. and you're insulted on my questions. No, 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 I'm just generally curious. Not at all. Because yeah. again, I've been to your shows. I've been a fan, you know, to see this version of you guys even now, because I don't yeah. feel like, I feel like now you're doing things that, or the music that you've been making even over the past three, five years or so, even like the live stuff that I have. Yeah. Um, it just feels like anybody could take any message they want to from it. And great if it's, yeah. but you could go play a show where no one even knows you have any relationship to Christianity, Buddhism, the 49ers. It doesn't matter. They right, would just right, enjoy right. the music yeah. regardless. Yeah. Well, and that, I mean, I think it just goes back to the, the philosophy of like how you make music. It's like if you, I just can't start out with thinking about like, what do I want to teach someone with this? Like that's, that's the end of like good music for me. If I start thinking about who the audience is or why they're going to like it, then it's over. So to me, it's more about like, what am I feeling in this, in this time in my life? And that's changed a ton over 20 years. So record to record, the way we, even, even I would say, even the guys in the band going like, yeah, we're all Christians. Like, I think there would be, there would be several hands in the band go like, I don't actually don't think I want to relate to that right now. So we just don't make it that way. So I think it, that does lead to music that isn't that way. It really has become a business term. That's what it mostly it for what sure it feels is. like to me. And not just in where you are, in yeah. spaces where a lot of my friends, even, and I'll bring it back to Ben because we brought him up. He's like, I don't even know where I fit. Yeah. And he's like, I don't have a place. Yeah. So I feel like I fit nowhere. And I think what's great about, and I don't know if you and Ben still have a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Ben will come over and we just kind of talk sense into each other where he's like, I don't know. I'm like, dude, you're selling 8,000 hard tickets. Like you'll play Ascend here in town. And right, so yeah. you'll, you will sell that place out and you're telling me you don't have a place. There are artists that would give three fingers yeah, to yeah, sell totally. 8,000 hard tickets all around the country. Yeah. And so and he's like, yeah, but, and then the same way <laughs> I'm going, you know, I just don't know. And he's like, dude, you talk to 5 million people every day. You got two TV shows and you're like, I don't know where I belong. So it's like, we need that other perspective For because sure. we feel a bit like we don't have a, when I was in pop and hip hop, I was too country to be in pop and hip hop. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm a country, I'm often heard from the really country people. I'm too pop or right, yeah, I don't want to say hip hop anymore, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> too pop, you know, to yeah. be country. And I can definitely see where that would also bleed over into the music side when yeah. you're saying genres are they are. They're constructed. Yeah, by I mean industry. Well, and you see it like it's a double-edged sword. I think because of this, like, but but Spotify and all this. But you have meetings with them now, and it's always like, well, genres are dead. It's over. It's vibes. You know, it's like playlists based on whatever they want to do. Which that is great for a band like us, yeah. where it becomes like, oh, this is this is what you listen to by the campfire. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, the other, the problem with that is like, it's also the death of bands, <laughs> right? Cause it's like the playlist is happening. They have no idea who the act is. And so I would say with Ben, you know, and with us, like I, I tell him this all the time. I'm like, dude, it's, it's the craziest thing to have a loyal fan base that doesn't care if you like, we're not going to get attacked if we don't play a certain song. It's not, it's just, they're not there to see that one thing. Like everybody's not waiting till the end. Like the fact that you got people showing up and singing every song, every song and they live their lives to it. Yeah. You know, I, I tell everybody, that's the thing I'm most proud of is like when, when people send stuff in like, yeah, the birth of my child or this funeral or whatever it is like, that's the playlist that they're, they're going to this music to lean on in a time like that. Like that's, that's really, I, I have to check myself constantly about it, but that is the ultimate goal. You know, like that's, I feel like that's why we're, that's why we're making this stuff. I want to check my phone and see the song I've played from you guys the most. I didn't do this because I am a fan and I'm very professional too. So I'm going to check my phone here. <laughs> 
because I'm just curious. In my playlist, the song that I have played most, I, I know it's going to be live. The live, because you guys did a whole live record. Yeah. That record was so good. Dude, thanks, man. That's the one I, and I always like the little bitty talking things. Not yeah, too yeah. much talking on right, live right, record. Yeah, yeah. But I need a little bit of talking. Yeah. So I know that you actually were there. Right. right. Yeah. And really, because anyway, right, you go right. in a studio and yeah, fake totally. some stuff. And, yeah. I mean, you can even fake talking, I guess. Yeah. But the live record to me, because you sound, your band, you're so tight, obviously, but you sound so legitimate on the live record because there are a lot of people who shy away from doing something live because maybe that performance aspect just isn't there. Sure. And I think vocally on the live record, most of all, you really show that just yeah. how good you are. Is there a different kind of uh, vulnerability when you're recording a live record that's different than like caves that's going to come out? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a different, diff a different art form. I feel like um, we've always seen it as the one thing we could control. I think it was like early on when we signed with Atlantic first and it was like, you know, you're going to be the biggest thing and then you're not, you know, then you realize like, Oh, we've got to figure this out. And the only thing we could, it, we could like get a hold of was like, well, if we can make this hundred people, 200 people next time and then kind of keep doing that, then you actually have a career. So I think we put a lot of weight into, I don't feel like we, I feel pressure about the live records at all because I really do believe like, and our fans know this, like, there's not nights off in terms of effort with us. There might be a night where it doesn't feel, you know what I mean? Just like anything be going on. But I think in terms of, I'm incredibly proud of that, the way, how serious we take it. Like we feel like every night is, is the night. And, and even the smallest ones are the most important. Hang tight. The Bobby cast will be right back. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines. Plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines. All on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. 
Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back on the Bobbycast. Did you do more than one live record? We have, yeah. How many have you done? Uh, I have no idea. More I've, than two? I've, I've, no, I think it's either two or three. Okay. Yeah. Well, the one, I, I hear, okay, here, you ready to hear my songs? Yeah. The ones I've listened to the most? Uh, Sunshine? Yeah. You heard of it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, it'd be funny if you didn't hear of it. Yeah, no, I like, wait, that uh, one. that's not me. Uh, Keep Your Eyes Open? Yeah. You ever heard of that one? Yep. And Lay Em Down? Nice. Yeah, those are the ones that I've listened to the most. What would that say about me? Oh, uh, up tempo, positive. Um, Nothing talk says me more than that. All right, up tempo, yeah. positive, up-tempo and positive. I don't know. It's, maybe that's what you need. You gravitate. I think so, it. but I do yeah. love slow. My favorite music though is slow. Yeah, I love slow and sad. I'm too. That's me too. Because I also want to know. I need you to tell me how I'm feeling sometimes when I want to feel. Yeah, and I can actually hear the words. Yeah, like I can. I know melodies, but I don't really. On know records, lyrics. that's what I gravitate to. I think. I think when we're now, like if it were just me writing at my place, it would be. It's going to be like that pretty heavy ballad kind of stuff. But then making the records, you, you're trying to put yourself. We do it way more now than we ever have. Like we will put pictures up of us playing live somewhere. Like we just we're constantly trying to go. Okay, put yourself in the moment. What would you want to play in front of ten thousand people? And then. I think that gets an energy level of because because obviously you can't have a show where it's all ballads and people don't you know that's that's not my fun. perfect show though yeah <laughs> I just want to go and yeah well, be my, sad my, and hear my, all my the favorite songs. show ever I saw was Bonnie Bear and like that it was so slow and quiet and I was like I think my heart rate just slowed down just listening to that like I'm into that um, but I do think there's an energy level I I love the I played football in college it was a small school but like Furman right yeah this I this like sort of on 10, I don't like sports where you're like, have to be passive. You know, like tennis is one of those where it's like, you know, if you hit it too hard, it's out. But like, so I, <laughs> I don't like that. Like I want to, I want to get, you're an aggressive fellow. Yeah, are you? Yeah. Aggro when it's, well, I'm quiet. So when it's like, when I'm doing something like that, I want to just go full on. And the show is that kind of opportunity for me to like, you know, people talk about like the flow state or whatever. That's, that's me. When I can't, when I forget where I'm at, it's because I'm on 10. I'm going as hard as I can go. And I love that feeling. And so I think that's, you need songs, vehicles for that. You know what I mean? So that's probably where the rock thing kind of like continues to come. That's the reason for it. I, I definitely don't think if I, if I have the songs that play at my funeral, they're not going to be, you know, <laughs> not, it's not going to be kiss. You know what I mean? It's going to be something. Uh, where did you see yeah. Bonavere? Uh, 930 club. In DC, and so I again, I'm familiar. I can't say that I've sat and listened to a lot of his music, but I when the Bonavere Grammy situation happened, yeah. I listened to a lot of for a brief period yeah. of time, right? Yeah. Um, then he did some stuff with Taylor, and mm-hmm. so I kind of experienced that. But I can't act like I'm a huge fan for a large sure. period of time. Is it? But his whole show is like the music that I know. Oh, be- most beautiful thing. Like I, I was blown away by it. Cause this is a 930 club is like a thousand seat club in DC and one of the better live clubs, uh, in America, I think. Um, but it was like, like the kick drum 
would last a long time on a song and then the next time not. You know what I mean? It's like the boom. It was like, and that's like for live sounds nerdy, but it's like, that's a hard thing to do in a live room because feedback and everything. So I feel like you go to the shows, they all sound the same in some ways. Like the band just sounds like, kind of sounds like a track because everything's been like notched out mm-hmm. and everything. It wasn't that. It was like, it could breathe song to song. And I was like, they had two drummers, strings, trumpets, all this. Freaking like, Doobie was, Brothers. Yeah, two it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, but not messy like that. It was just like the, they were doing different, interesting things. I was I was blown away by it. And still, I mean, you're trying to create that situation for a fan um, that is personal. And that's still the challenge of like, I feel like yeah, obviously Coldplay does a good job of that now where if like, you know, everybody gets their own light and whatever mm-hmm. it is. Like that's the, that's the reason to do it. It's like, and I've always wanted to be like, I'm really excited about this whole dome thing. Well, they don't call it a dome, but Vegas thing that you two is going to The thing turn into an eyeball or yeah. a basketball or yeah, whatever like, you want it to I'm be. like the idea of like, but the seats literally shake mm-hmm. and there's sound that comes there and they can blow wind on their face. The idea of having that, just being immersed in it, mm-hmm. I think is what you're trying to do. So I, that's the way I felt at that show, which is, I think right, the reason I gravitate towards it. Best show you've ever been to, is that what you said? Or one of the best? I think so. I think so. Um, we were just talking about this. This isn't really on the spot because I'm not going to cut your scholarship if you miss it, but you're like top three or four live shows you've been to. Um, I saw Springsteen at Hyde Park when he went over and got canceled and it was like, like they tried to cut him off and cut the speakers off and he kept playing for another 20 minutes for whatever fee that was. Paul McCartney was there. It was like all... Um, I saw James Taylor when I was 16, first started playing guitar and I realized I would never be able to do that. Um, the black crows in college, um, first rocker. I was like into acoustic, like toad the wet sprocket and stuff like that when I was in college. And I went to see them randomly cause a friend asked me and it was so rock and roll in like the old school way that I went out and got electric guitar the next day. It's like, this is, this unlocked something to me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm missing some. I saw the I saw the Foo Fighters open for the Chili Peppers. Me too. First. I went to the same. Yeah, they toured twice, and I went to both of those tours. The first time they opened, the second time they did a split headline because yeah. Foo Fighters got big yeah, by that big, point. Yeah, yeah. I think we're the same age, and I think just the music that we like and influence us is very similar. You know, yeah. from from the artists that yeah. you're even listing here. But yeah, the Foo Fighters. And the Chili Peppers, one of the greatest tours I've ever seen. It was great. I mean, and like I didn't, I, I was a Nirvana fan, but I wouldn't say I was like totally immersed in that culture at that time. And so the girl thing, like how big of a star he was, and that blew me away. He's like running around the thing. And then they, they did Hero and Chad Smith and him are playing drums together. All that's like, all that stuff is um, incredibly formative. I saw the Chili's in this awesome, we played a NASCAR event. We were on tour with Train. This is I don't know, 18 years, a long time ago. And we're playing the infield of a NASCAR event, but they, Chili Peppers played to the grandstand right before it started. And there was only like 300 people between the stage and then it was the track behind us in the grandstand, right? And they come out and do like four songs and it's for TV, but it's like the most energy I've ever seen anyone put into a show in my life. And I'm only there with like 300 people. <laughs> it was, I'm, I mean, I'll never forget the way Flea came, like this, just the, it was palpable, you know what yeah. I mean? Just like that sort of, um, Anyway, that got me excited for a second. Stuff. No, I think when you mentioned the Foo Fighters, for me, I always, I'll use the word I feel bad, but Dave Grohl is such a monster superstar now for Foo Fighters, for just the Foo Fighters. But people so much want to talk about Nirvana with him. Yeah. When, by the way, he was like their fifth drummer. 
Sure. He he joined right when Nevermind, the right. album was about to be. Yeah. And, and he was a, very much a part of that three or even four piece, if you um, include Pat Smear right. you know, with the band. Um, but what he's done with Foo Fighters, it's not really paralleled with American rock music in the past 25, 30 years. But because he was the drummer in one of the most yeah. influential bands of a decade, he still is like, the drummer of Nirvana and the yeah. lead singer of Foo Fighters, where he basically has two Hall of Fame careers by themselves. And the Foo Fighter one might actually be, no, it is bigger. bigger. It's no just eclipsed yeah, it's by I, the- I watched the little documentary they did, uh, the Foo Fighters thing, like the, I can't remember what it was called, but it shows all those, him playing that first tour. They're playing like, you know, First Ave and all those kind of places. And the people are just yelling Nirvana songs, like while he's trying to play the Foo Fighter songs. Just to make me feel better, <laughs> I'm like, you know what I mean. This guy had knew what he had, right? And no one else like would give him time for. It. I say no one else, but like, there was still there was naysayers the entire time. Um, that's comforting to me to know that, like, you know, whether he knew it was going to be as big as it was, like, I don't know. But just the fact that he stayed the course through all that, I can't, I can't imagine. Um, nothing that I'll ever face in terms of that will be as big as that. You know what I mean? Nothing will be as negative right in my face as that. When you're 25, yeah. let's say 23, 24, 25, where did you think this was going to get you? It's hard yeah. to say what was yeah. your prediction, but where no, did you think I it was going to get you? Honestly, like, I don't know if I thought we were going to be the biggest band in the world, but I, I had an incredible ambition at that time and, you know, very naive. And um, I didn't know any, we, like, we came from a small town, so. So there were no other bands around us that we like, we were making every mistake possible. We didn't. And, and so the good part about that was we have no comparison for a long time. I didn't want to move to Nashville because of that. I felt like people would go there and they see all these other things and then they feel lesser about themselves. And now it's not as confident on the road. Now it doesn't play in the Midwest as well. I always had that feeling. Um, so I think for us, like there was just an ignorance that I would have had at that time in terms of like what was possible. And so anything was, and I, and we really like in our little garage where we were practicing, we were like, this is the best, this is the best music as anyone is making right now. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely had that. And I think I was really naive too about the business side of, of all that, like genres that we were talking about. And when we, when we released the first, um, record, we didn't have a Christian deal. Like we didn't have anything, no business on the Christian side. <laughs> we signed with Atlantic records. And then we, because I had grown up, like going to these little bookstores to listen to the Christian music, you know, I was like, would it be cool? Like, should we put that in there for kids like us? You know? And, and we went to the Atlantic president at the time and we we're like, Hey, um, would it be cool if we do that? He's like, I don't care. So, I mean, literally it was that simple of like, and then, so we came down here to Nashville somewhere here. It's like, Hey, will you put this out? And then what happened was the, that first Christian single that they put out got bigger than the secular one did first. Mm. Now you're so a Christian. Now you're, they planted <laughs> yeah. the flag. I'm like, oh, wait. You know, like, so I was just naive at the time about what we were getting into. Um, you know, that, you know, we've learned a lot, but I think being naive, but also having huge goals, if, if it's the right mix, it works awesomely because I was too dumb to know what I was doing too. Yeah. But I was smart enough to know that if I just went really hard at it, I was going to end up somewhere pretty good. Yeah. Cause I, I know what I was doing. I had no yeah. idea what I was doing. I, yeah, totally. I love, I love, well, I see that like I've got little kids now. It's like in the, that sort of blind, you know, th there's, there's awesome confidence in that. 
you know, that that's hard to get now. I think it's, I think I have to really consciously get myself in a place where I'm making a record of like not knowing what the limitations are beyond it or like how, how big could this record be? Right. You know, all that stuff is really a work where I didn't have that. I walked into the room every day. It's like, we're about to make the biggest song in the world. And you know, this feels good. This is easy. <laughs> um, so I feel like we're always trying to get back to that level of, you know, blind um, confidence, which, yeah, I do think it makes the art better. The Bobby Cast. We'll be right back. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Bobbycast. How how big a old boy are you? A what? How big old boy are you? Old boy? How big old boy are you? Yeah, I'm your age, but you're big old big old boy. Oh, six um, um, six, six feet? No, I'm just six feet. That's it? Yeah, not that big. Am I shrinking? Like <laughs> maybe it's the boots? Because okay, but yeah, it's the boots. Uh, boots. Or up. maybe it's because I knew you were a college football player, and I just expected just you to come in. Think and I was going to take bigger. control? Yeah, yeah. But you're what do you weigh? One one ninety. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's hefty. You still hit a pretty good. No, it's not hefty. That's uh, good. Like I, I, I have to go hard all the time to even just maintain whatever yeah. this is. I, it's the opposite for me. I think I'm like I'm. 
I'm pretty, uh, I love ice cream. I'm a redneck when it comes to that stuff. Like I was just raised like that, you know, pizza bagels and all that. Oh, so, yes. Same. So I, still. I, I did have like a therapy to not drink four or three liters of Mountain Dew a day. Yeah, yeah, like, totally. like we get to sit it. in and yeah. have a yeah. yes. And so that, so now I have to kind of like I have to take my breaks with that. And also, after I got done with playing football, working out was the last thing I ever wanted to do again. I wasn't so. I mean, I I was a mess. I didn't, you know, the first ten years of our career, I wasn't. I was skinny, but like the unhealthy self kind of like I've been fat skinny for different segments skinny. of my life. Yeah, yeah well, I'm skinny, <laughs> yeah. but like you, yeah. you push me, and it's yeah, like that's not oh, bone, bro. Yeah. That's yeah, like that's fat right. skinny. <laughs> so you uh, you played wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you good. How good a high school player were you? Good. I mean, you know, all state or something like that. I don't know or something it, it like was, that. It was. It was. I was a. It was a time when wide receivers were. This is too football-y for this, but it's but, not. But. It was a time when wide receivers were like six five. When Florida State and all that were really big, every kid was six five six six. So, like, I got offers of D one stuff, but it was all like Miami of Ohio or Rice or Duke or all that kind of stuff. And none of those teams were good at the time. And so, that, the reason I ended up going to firm is like, if I'm going to go to a smaller school, I might as well go to a good one. I had enough sense to like, if I'm going to get out of this small town, I probably need as many resources as possible. Um, so that's kind of what led me there. But yeah. Um, I think these days I would have had the pick. Like I was a good enough high school player that, and speed wise, that like I would have had, a, I would have gone anywhere I want. You think? It's just, cha- it's changed. It's totally, it's totally, like there wasn't slot receiver. I was going to say, idea. you know, well, you're, you're like a high energy, high motor guy. That's what they say about white guys. High yeah, motor. You right, know? Yeah. You really, a lot of effort, <laughs> yeah, big yeah, effort yeah, guy. Totally. Big. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was a definitely over the middle guy. I'll give you that. Um, but really at the beginning, I was like a four, four guy. So I was, I was like outside speed. Golly, guy. You can run a four, four. Yeah. And, and, uh, so, and I was a track, I ran track at Furman too. So like, I was just, I was a fast guy really, but just that, that position didn't really that, you know, like Wayne Corbett and all those guys, like mm-hmm. they, they like opened that up. Jet receiver, now every, receiver, player, every yeah. team has a guy like that. Um, it just wasn't the thing when I was playing, but yeah, especially like the, 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 the slot. Yeah. You know? The Edelman's. Yeah, it's small routes. It's like, you know, West in Walkers space. Okay. are extremely valuable, but can catch. But it sounds like you're faster than even those guys. 4-4. Four, four. So Edelman fast, played yeah. quarterback in college, though. But 4-4 yeah. four, four is rocket. What yeah. can you do now? Can you do a 4-8 now? Uh, I have no race? idea. I do not you wear the boots. I'll, wear I'll, I'll tear a hamstring if I race <laughs> like that. I, uh, yeah, it's embarrassing now. Do you but, play ball at all? What do you do recreation? I like golf. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm getting into it. Um, I mean, I've always been into it somewhat, but like now I've like, you know, Ben's one of those guys who's always like, he's annoying. Yeah. yeah. But when we toured together, we were really competitive at the time. And, and I'm very proud of the, the fact that like I took a lot of his money when he toured with us then. Good. Yeah. Yeah. But now he would, he would get, yeah, he's really so, good. Yeah. It's annoying. It is. And I'm like, so he's like, no, I just started playing. I was like, what do you mean you just started playing? Like, I play. I'm not as good. At- He's really good. Yeah. And it's stupid. Well, you start videoing your swing and all that. It's like a different, what's a different I do all that. I don't, I don't get any better. <laughs> I got a track man in here. I ain't, right, yeah. <laughs> ain't getting any better. We went, we played a tournament at the same time. It was Tomlin's, Chris Tomlin's charity tournament down at. Oh, four others. Uh, was that Troubadour? That's it. Down at Troubadour. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I did this bit at the Opry when I was, I was doing stand up over there and I was talking about that. And I looked at the entire list. And I was the least famous celebrity on the list. It's a bad place to be whenever the people that you're with are like, when's our celebrity getting here and you're the celebrity? Is I've, it, I've been that many times. Well, it was me this time, like, right? <laughs> so, and I was talking about that and I was like, man, getting me at a celebrity golf tournament's like, you know, going on a, um, 
a safari and seeing a horse. Right. Like, you can <laughs> right. see a horse anyway. Right. Yeah, totally. you know? And yeah. but I remember seeing you uh seeing you were playing that too. And because you have a name that sticks out, you know, not a lot yeah. of bears. Yeah, right. And so and then I remember seeing you warming up and you look like an athlete so i didn't want to be your friend i just stayed away from you completely because i like to be the alpha in my group yeah Yeah, and i don't think that would be that were the case if you were me and so are you a good golfer now can you play i can play all right i'm a nine right now okay you're better than i'm I'm an 11 that's okay that's playing my thing is like you want to be able to play fast so you can play with people i think that's the you know what i mean but now i've got too many of my friends have gotten good and that and that. Too many of your friends have too much time. And then. I'm too competitive. Yeah, I know. Me too. I hate yeah. everybody. I hate myself yeah. when I'm playing golf. Right, yeah. I hate everything. Yeah. But I keep going back because it's the one thing that I want to get better at that I really don't. I can feel like I'm getting so much better. And then I go out on a Tuesday and I'm awful. I'm like, yeah. what just happened? So it's a mental thing. Yeah. Everything for me is so team. I think because like football and then and the band thing is very much like that. That golf for me, I like playing by myself almost the most. And it's because I'll actually celebrate a shot when I'm by myself, I'm quiet with other people. I'm never going to be like, but I'm, if I'm by myself and I hit a good one, I'm like, bear. Yes. I'm, I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm having a moment <laughs> with myself. It's like therapy to me. It's like, finally I can, I can applaud myself or something. So I do like that element of the, the singular, there's no one to blame. Do you get, I'm going to use the word flat because my wife doesn't really care, but sometimes if I'm going to go play a quick round, it's still six hours before I'm back. Yeah. 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 You have kids. I don't have kids. I do. Is it ever like, yo, dude? You yeah, should- sometimes. Honestly, so this is true. Like a, a couple of years ago, I, I went to a, I was a, at a therapy session. He's talking to me about all kinds of, like, what are the activities you do that give you life and all that kind of stuff. And I literally was like, well, I've been playing golf on myself recently. And he was like, you should do more of that. And I came home to my wife and she was like, I'm in. You should do more of that. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you should use that. You know, maybe whether that's it's true it. Or yeah, not, doctor. I'm just like doctor, told, uh, gave I me mean, this note. I mean, you just said if I'm gonna be well, good husband, this is what it takes. So she's like, no, you wrote this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, trust me, <laughs> trust me. Uh, so the new record is coming out in September. So caves. I don't know. Give me uh, what? Why caves? Is there some sort of deeper meaning about yeah. caves? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's. Uh, more and more I understand this, like, because it's so cyclical, like when you're working on a record to me, the artist's job, um, at least, you know, as I see it is that, that you go into this sub sort of subconscious place and you're trying to like, you know, I'll use the word universe from it of like, you're just trying to like receive and process this information and you try to stay there longer than most people would want to. I'm not, I don't buy into the idea like you got to have a crappy life to have to write good songs. I don't buy into that at all. But I do buy into the fact like when those things happen, you need to marinate longer. And and so that's what the cave represents to me of, of kind of like it's really the song is, you know, the line is coming out of the cave. That's what it's really about of, of like, OK, we've spent this time together. We process all this stuff. We put it on paper. We don't know what it is. Here you go. And now we're going to all celebrate this together. So I think that's where it came from. Um and then, yeah, the, the record is really like we've always had a chip on our shoulder, I think, because of being from a small town, all the Christian thing, all that. I feel like early on in our career, it was like everywhere we went, you know, we just had this angst about like we're about to dominate this, you know, like just and and I feel like this is the first record, in my opinion, where we were able to get out of our own way in that way. Because I, I, what I look back and I go, wow, that's I can see that sort of like ego thing dripping into this song. It has no place there. 
It's not, it's not, it's not serving this song at all. And, and so I think when I hear it back now, that's what, that's the takeaway I have from the record, which of just like, there's a little bit of a freedom there. Um, it's thankful, uh, um, which is different for a rock band to say, probably, um, just in the sense of like, we get to do this, like we get to put the stuff out into the world and people appreciate it at whatever level that is. Um, I think that's probably, surprising to me after all we've been through that like we still have the opportunity and the sort of creative freedom to do it are you surprised you guys are still together yeah yeah um now i can see it going a lot longer which is crazy but but there was i mean 10 years in our career we had just an absolute meltdown of all kinds for probably two to three years of just like personal relationships are going to crap everything in the band it's like my brother was in the band at that time and it was really rough and both of us were not good humans anyway you know at the time we we're just like really struggling with all kinds of stuff and then so it was separate dressing rooms it was there's no encouraging word before the before the show it's not it's it is just get through it whatever it takes um at the same time you have this crazy ambition driving everything um that's not feeding the art at all it's just it's absolutely like if we go harder if we go harder you know um so yeah, I think I think it was a time there for a while. Like, I was sure it was over. I was just like, well, we'll just play this this next tour and see how far it gets. So I'm yeah, I'm surprised. I was talking to Kicks Brooks, who's half of Brooks and Dunn. He was talking about playing a show and him and Ronnie weren't getting along, and they had just been. I mean, they were killing. They had twenty number ones. They've been doing it fifteen years or so. They just were not like any relationship. Like I mentioned earlier, it doesn't. It's not just a band. It's my friends do a radio show. It's husband-wife relationships. Anything has to be nurtured and you have to go through the bad times to make the good times even better. And it's a lot of survival. And he was like, we just want to do it anymore. And Merle Haggard was like, hey, don't be an idiot. Like, you see all those yeah. people here? Yeah. He was like, you got to figure that crap out. And so they broke up. Yeah. But he always remembered that. And they ended up getting back together. And it was like, man, we don't even feel like we really missed a beat. But yeah. he was like, if I could tell people now, like, it's like, figure it out. Go away if you need to. Yeah. Get therapy for you, get therapy for other people. Mm -hmm. And then but but stay together because of what they had with each other and what you guys have is so rare, regardless of the relationship and how it is personal. Like to to actually find a unit that can do what you've done is so rare. I think I think it's easier now knowing like being able to value that or like seeing what we have. It, It there was a time there where it felt like, you know, even though the thing was big, there was like some other future thing that we were trying to be that we weren't yet. So there was always this like frustration that I didn't, I don't think I could feel back then that I feel now. Um, so it, it, uh, I mean, it's part of this aging, obviously, or just like kind of getting some perspective. Do you feel um, like TikTok's been good for you? And not so far, not so far. I don't hate it. I, I'm, I think of it as like the new, like when I think of like the, what was the Wonders movie? What was that? The one, like Tom, Tom, <laughs> yeah, Hanks, yeah, yeah, that, Tom Hanks. It was the, like, yeah, the Wonders. Yeah. yeah. That, that thing you do. Yeah. That yeah. thing you do. That's it. So like when that song plays on the radio and they go running out in the street, like a, our careers changed. That's happening out on TikTok, mm-hmm. you know, and it not just the bands like this Noah Khan thing that's happening. I feel like this kid in town, Steven Sanchez, like I'm watching, I'm watching actually good artists mm-hmm. be discovered that way. Yes. There's a ton of other crap on there too. Um, but I, I do think that's incredible and that's going to 
um, drive art in the future. It just feels like to me, like a kid can go like, it doesn't matter where I'm from. I've got a chance. If I got something to say and it connects, then this is a vehicle to get it there. So I don't hate it. And it doesn't matter what genre you are either. Noah Kahn's a great example. What is he? Bluegrass? Acoustic singer songwriter? Yeah, folk? Like, is yeah. it? But he's just so good. Great. Yeah. And I, uh, and, and it just it it just like speeds that process up, up so much. So it's like then becomes like who the label is and all that. Does that really matter? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> like, um, so I, but we came in. It, it, it's so like when it was like the beginning and everybody's just doing dance videos and stuff, and that was like so off brand for us. Like even smiling was off brand really at the time, and I was just so the idea of like you know what I mean, just like oh we're gonna get on making cheesy videos, it's gonna make it's gonna undermine everything we've said and done up until now. Now that it feels like more creative in the sense, at least we can put music on there. So I don't, I don't sort of mind that part. Um, but like chasing algorithms and stuff is, is, I mean, it's not for me. I, just, I you know, that's really, that's, it's definitely somebody else's job. I, I, I can't. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think the people that end up setting the algorithms are the ones that don't chase them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I think of you guys as music, I can just see a lot of people finding you guys and enjoying it with no expectation because yeah. you're just swiping. I mean, there's an artist that I love, uh, Jackie Vinson. Mm-hmm. She's a blues artist from Austin, Texas. And I just, I watch her videos and I'm just, I'm just blown away, right? Just, yeah. I would have probably not discovered her other than it's kind of like the other music that I listen to. Yeah. And I didn't have to know much about her to enjoy what she does. Mm. And I can feel that with a lot of artists where it doesn't matter if you know what kind of music they're doing. What does that even mean? What kind of music they're doing? Yeah. It's just a place where if sonically it kind of fits into what you already like. I could see you guys like really, really thriving in that space to people who like, I don't even know how to to explain your music, but like um, really authentic instrument based yeah, strong yeah. vocals type stuff. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think that's, we're trying to learn the language now. It's like when we first got into it, there was, you know, you get these partners to help you do it. And it's like, now you're doing exactly like some other artists did. It doesn't work. And so it's the same way your live show is or the records are or whatever. You're trying to get a voice on there. And I think for us, that's probably the period of time we're in where we're kind of like beating up the people that work with us on it to go like, dude, if we're going to do a good acoustic version, put us somewhere good. And don't, you don't need to record this 97 times to get the good. Let's just get one great take of it. That'll take five minutes. (laughs) Let's put that up like that. So I think that's, yeah, we're just struggling with uh, that a little bit, but we're certainly using it more and, and thinking of it more as an outlet than we ever have. This record you did in two phases. Am I right? One, yeah, Utah, the other, yeah, Minnesota. Yeah, what? Well, yeah. Why? Um, honestly, the I just had a buddy who had a house in Utah, and I want we wanted to do a mountain house somewhere we could get away. We wouldn't see people, and and it was, ended up being the perfect. We were trying to do demos. We weren't trying to make the record. We we do like take a makeshift studio in there, um, and then we got back. We're like, well, this actually sounds really great. We should build on this. Um, and then the Minnesota thing, we went actually. Nirvana had made a record there. Um, the pachyderm was in the studio, but we wanted a place where we could stay. So there's a house next to the studio. We could just like, you know, get away. Um, we end up working on the record for a year and a half. So it's not like it all happens in those 10 days. Um, just the bulk of the recording does. Um, but I, I think the, I think trying to let everybody have a voice in there is, is incredibly important to a band. 
That's what makes it a band. I always was like, Led Zeppelin's not good if one of those guys is not in it. That's the way good bands ought to be. If if you look at a band, you go, oh, let's, yeah, I'd take or leave <laughs> two of those guys. What it, what really is it? And so, and I think getting to a place where we can not have a credit based situation, you know, that's hard with bands. That's you know, the easiest thing to do is like, well, I wrote that part. I got, it's like, now I don't know on this record whose idea, what was, you know, I'm writing most of the songs, bring them into the band. But other than that, in terms of the production, and everything, it's really, really organic. So we're put uh, like, we're writing bass parts with the bass players and there's no um, walls up. Like people aren't showing up at different days and all that, um, which is just a healthy place to be, I think. And, and makes the best, makes the best thing. Let's take a quick pause for a message from our sponsor. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Bobbycast. Do you ever worry about writing the same song or doing the same album twice accidentally, but it's just so similar? Yeah. Uh, I really don't. I, I, I'll say this because I'm not great um, with melody, which sounds weird to say. It's like people are like, you know, but the truth is I'm not someone. I always had a hard time when they hit the piano. It's like, sing this note. <laughs> I was always like kind of finding it a little bit. So I don't 
have that sort of memory of melody as well on other people's songs. I've never, I never did a lot of covers. Like it's always takes me a second to get a cover in my brain and operate it. Um, but even your music twice, like you, yeah. Like wrote, now that, 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 I mean, that's mostly what I'm yeah. asking more than accidentally writing yeah, somebody yeah. else's song. Are you like, I feel this way and I've felt this way five years ago. I just want to write the same exact thing about me feeling this way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably. But I don't, I don't really, uh, my, the thing about it is it's like you find out like, just like you brought up your three favorite songs, like that wouldn't be like our three most popular songs. So it's really hard to see when a song is going to impact. I think if it's worth writing that day, it's worth writing. Um, I do think in terms of I've, I've been surprised and blown away by how something little will feel fresh to me about the thing. It's like, Oh, I want to write a, a verse where there's a little more spacing between the phrases. That's it. Like there's no, that's how simple the idea is that like gets me going that day. And then it becomes this other thing that's never stopped uh, for summer. I can go, I can write, I mean, I, during COVID, I think I wrote like 80 songs in a year, just like every day, just pumping out by myself and every single day within 20 minutes, there's like a new angle to something that I feel like I've never done before. At least that's what it feels to me. Um, and maybe that's just cause I'm not a good, you know, like I, I'm, I'm really thankful that I'm not so good of a musician. Like, you know, there's some guys that just hear that. Oh, that's that same progression from that song or that's a, and that's knowing way too much to me because I want it to feel new to me when I did it. And if later somebody says it's that I'm like, so what <laughs> to me when I was making it, it, right. felt, it felt really fresh. Well, so how did the music thing happen with you? Be, like, for example, like a Sam, and I, I'm going to lump unfairly all you football players that I'm jealous yeah. of and that are big, muscular, and cool <laughs> in one group. Like Sam, Chase, yourself. Um, we could keep going forever. There's a lot of athletes that turned Jake, who wasn't yeah. football, but Jake Owens, a really good friend yeah. of mine who was at played golf. Yeah. They all got hurt and they were like, I guess I'll do guitar. And next yeah. thing you know, they're a star. Yeah. Where did the music come in your version of this story? It was always going, which is. Uh, I say always, I was 16 when I started playing guitar and writing songs. I wrote, started writing right away. Um, and when I went to college, luckily there had been a guy on our football team on that same team that played music before me. They kind of loosened up the coaches to the idea that like, maybe that's a thing. And they gave me lots of, like, you used to call me sunshine from remember the Titans. Yeah. I think it was. Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah. Coach, right? yeah. Was? I don't know. Is that Ryan? Was sunshine Ryan Gosling or another blonde kid that looked like it's Ryan a, I think it's a different blonde yeah. kid. I, I just love but Ryan like, Gosling. He's yeah. everything to me. You seen Barbie yet? To, I have not actually. Yeah, well, he's perfect in that too. Anyway, that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but so I think that they like gave me a hard time, but I, I was playing probably 50, 60 shows a year when, when I was playing college football wow. in school. So How? I would get picked up. We would do all the off season. We would practice and I would drive 45 minutes to this rehearsal space. We had, we did, I would get picked up after a game on a Saturday afternoon instead of riding the bus home with the team. They would let me get in the van with the band and go play. That's a big deal. I mean, I don't know a lot of coaches. That would yeah. Do it's that. not a, yeah. yeah, totally. It was a real, and, and they liked it. And I, I would like play for the team occasionally and all that. Um, so yeah, it was always alongside it. I think I knew by the time I got to college, I knew that music was it. Like that was my thing, but I loved playing football. I still love watching and all that, but I knew that's where I was headed and it made it easier of a decision. Like whenever I got done with college, all these agents started calling, you know, it's like, you know, you're going to work out for this team. You're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. And I was, I was so beat up. I mean, I was not, the thought of doing another year of that was like, I mean, I was, I couldn't even imagine. I was like, I would have sucked. You know, it's like, there's no way. So that, that made it an easier decision, but I think I knew in the back of my mind anyway, it's like, 
as soon as this is as soon as this chapter's over, music is it. Did you put that competitive drive? Because obviously your body's hurting, like you said, or just worn out. You know, playing football that long at that level. Do you take that competitive drive and just go? Now it's in music. I, yes. I shall put it here. Yeah, and in really good and bad ways. Like you know, it's still great. Like I feel like in the show, like we, I feel like we go hard, and I and I feel like I just I come off the same way after a game. Like the same, I feel like that after a show. I just feel like there's just a physicality to it. But the the like we, I used to make the band watch tape. <laughs> like when we first got to go on and you imagine like that's funny yeah i mean you're drawing the circles all right yeah, like, <laughs> seriously it was like <laughs> see that bongo solo that sucks you know like it was very like you know and but it would put these guys on the spot like wait i just uh you know like we made 20 bucks like what are we doing here uh so well, it was you way to too serious as yeah. funny as it is like you're yeah. literally using i was that driven to, to get, get better. better yeah and and i think that's the thing like it just art obviously is a different thing so there's a there's a care and sort of you know time it takes to do it that you don't you know get to explore in football but so uh, yeah good and bad there's that i had to learn those lessons early on about like when to push and when not to but i would say that we definitely have that mentality when it comes to rehearsals and shows and all that kind of it just we're carrying a lot of that in there my head i played football too probably better than you were but anyway i was uh my our football coach he finally discovered he could take a marker and actually write on the tv and so he draw the first time it was like discover the new world because yeah. he did it and he wiped and he was like oh god wiped it off he's like oh now we have a weapon oh, it was the worst because yeah. for example I played wide receiver and let's say I miss like a crack back block right yeah okay so I'm supposed to take the linebacker out fine I missed the block so he'd go he'd circle me on the screen draw the arrow why didn't you do it rewind it you're doing it again rewind it. You know, you're showing the same play over again, yeah, man. Right. Yeah, 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 I'm not I doing mean, it over I and over again. I messed up one time. Like, yeah. freaking relax. <laughs> yeah. We had, it was intense in college. I remember they, we, we had the whole team on Sundays after a game get in a film room and they would do special team stuff. And that's where, like, that separates men from boys. Like, running down on kickoff and that kind of thing. That is bad news. It's like, and if you avoid a, a, a collision for some reason or miss the block or whatever. So he had a laser pointer. You know, he would do that. <laughs> and they would make that guy stand up. Oh, right. The no. whole team's in there, 90 guys in there. Oh, and he he be like, do you think you're earning your scholarship? What do you th- you are better than this? Don't you think? Do you think you're better than this? Do you think you're worth standing? I mean, that kind of like he would just give and and uh, I'll never forget that the it was, discipline part that you were talking about too. You say art, you handle it differently, sure, but some art is not disciplined. And I think I was able to bring a lot of discipline from me playing sports into a creative field where maybe I my touch. I wasn't as gentle at times, right. but I definitely, even though I was a little too rigid, I definitely had discipline. Yeah. Right. So I got yeah. the benefit. Yeah. Much it, like you're saying, it comes down to to me. It, it comes down to ownership. Like there's just, I mean, that's culturally not very like a thing right now. It just seems like, but that's the that's I was always like with them, dude. If you make a mistake in there, going full speed, and it's not mental, I don't. We're not. No one's gonna be right. like that's not that's. But come back and be like, I blew it. Here's why won't happen again. You know, it's like the, we have that sort of culture where guys like feel like I can lean on, I, I, we're all going out here together. And if, and it's the same, I've tell the crew guys that all the time, like this is such an important thing what we do. Cause in that night, nobody knows you played the night before. They don't know that this is a small show. They all that kind of, but if you, if we all go out there, spend all this money, the buses go there and then the mic's not plugged in, yeah. you know, it's like, that's where the, it's ownership, own your job, do your thing. And, and yeah, so I think it's, it's definitely beneficial if you can do it in a, you know, in a gracious way in that way where it's like, I'm not browbeating dudes cause they're, 
because you make mistakes in shows like that's the way to laugh about it but it's if it's a mental thing or or lack of preparation then i've got problems <laughs> with I, would, that, I would agree know? i think the same thing with with my crew but i wasn't good at dropping a ball and then forgetting about it, it took me a couple plays could you yeah. go could you turn the page quickly uh no i still i think i could i could play through it but i i still when i wake up when i think about college that mostly i think about that i think about the two or three plays that i wish i had back it's almost like social media too where we only look at the two or three really negative comments instead yep. of the 500 awesome ones because mm-hmm. i'm guilty of that yep. going it just instead of allowing the love which i shouldn't really invest and i don't look at comments a lot i do occasionally yeah. but it's yeah. the same thing like, well, it rips your heart out the, i mean ones i remember just, the yeah. bad ones yeah. and i should either look at it objectively and go well, let's look yeah. at the percentage of how i should feel right now right. And if <laughs> right. the percentage says i suck then i should yeah. really feel that way yeah but i don't in the same way that you just said you still think back mostly about that yeah what does that have to say about us as people mm. i don't i you know like i don't i, don't, I that part obviously because i don't have to play football anymore it <laughs> doesn't it's not like one of those things like really i feel like lives with me in a bad way if you look at the comments um, though those 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 really will hurt for a bit and it's, i i have to almost not do it at all i mean um because inevitably it's just it's just it's what what taught me this even more it's like so during the covid thing we we had one of the first tours after that and the thing like sells great because of that. It's all this anticipation not like now when everybody's out at the same time this was like a window it's the first time we played bridgestone like i was like this is and and I was reading all the comments and it was all about mask, no mask mandates in the city. That's, and it's just like getting slammed. How could they possibly, they say they're this, it was, it was just terrible. And then I would play the show and be like, if I hadn't read that, I'd have zero clue that that exists. It's such a small percentage of the people out there. So I think that was freeing to me after that experience of like, cause I was really going on that tour just every night, just feeling the sort of crazy weight about have we made the right decision? Should we be out here? Should we, should we be doing some, making some sort of stance, you know, that like, no, we should be playing. Cause that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Like it's given as many people opportunity right. to see as can, you know? Um, so yeah, that's helps. I feel like I've taken that into this into consideration, at least as we're touring now helps kind of take sting out of it. The last thing I'll say about this, um, there's a, you know, he talk, he's a sports talk guy, TV and radio. His name is Nick Wright. And he talks about how he doesn't go look at comments anymore because he doesn't want to go and feel worse or feel bad for no reason because that's the only place he goes where people tell him he sucks is right online. Like mm-hmm. he can look at every other element of his life. People are yeah. not at the airport. Right, yeah. He said, the only time I ever feel like lesser than is if I go searching into the comments. He said, yeah. so I just don't do it because there's no benefit for me there because I'm not going, Hey, I'm asking a question. Please give me constructive criticism on this. He says, there's nothing constructive there. So I stay away from it because it's just not healthy for me. Yeah. And the only place that makes me feel worse is in that, in that section. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that, I think that it's easy. Uh, I can't remember the quote. I, was, I heard a quote the other day about, about the idea of like, it's easier to buy this sort of, to get into the bitterness and buy this dark story, which it really isn't a dark story. <laughs> you know, like that's just, that's not what we're living with. For some reason, we attach to that part. And I'm, I have this thing, I don't know if you do, but like I, the good compliments don't help. I agree. When I look at those, I'm like, yeah, yep. That's a yes. That's a yes. That's like ex- expectation already. So now the f- the first one that actually does anything triggers me at all is the negative one. That's a good point too. 
Do you, I'm like, am I really walking away from this feeling great about how everybody loves the record when they say that? Like, I don't even take compliments from my wife very well. Yeah. Because I feel like, why are you telling me this? <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't. My wife does not think I'm that funny. I think she did. But now she's with me all the time. And I think she just, she's seen the dog and pony show yeah, a few yeah. times. And so it's just not that funny to her anymore. Yeah. Well, she's still so funny to me and it's annoying. In your relationship, does your wife still like to hear you sing? Uh, I think so. I think so. But it's definitely like going back and forth. I've probably written her like 20 love songs over my career. You know, like, I mean, literally you just every year or two, you're like, I'm going to try it again. <laughs> and and there's nothing worse than like, you know, I'm always playing it to her when she's distracted. Yeah, I just wrote it. Now she's like putting her makeup on the bathroom or whatever. I'm like, what do you think about this? She's like, I, I don't know. Could you just play it to me later? <laughs> like, is it, is that, so there is an element which I appreciate yeah, that level of coming home. And, um, and she's been more disciplined about which her whole thing now is like, she only listen to it when the record's done. She's like, no demos. I don't want any of that. Don't tell me, because then I'm just going to be pissed that it doesn't sound like that on the record or whatever. She gets demoitis for you? Yes. She's like, I need it. Yes. She found some like, so now, now she really, it's really refreshing to me. When we do put a record, when I hand her the like sort of finished copy, she spends time with it way more than me. And she's incredibly encouraging about it, which is awesome to like, see what a real fan's experience yeah. is of that. Um, but yeah, she doesn't think she, we did an interview recently together and she was like, she was, we left. She was like, it's so weird that they think you're cool. <laughs> she was like the way they're talking about you, like, like you're interesting or something. <laughs> so that's what it is. A final three questions. Um, just staying on this. What I do really like about my wife is that she, I know what she's going to give me is always her truth. So as much as I'm like, she doesn't think I'm funny. I think she thinks I'm funny, but I got to really impress her to get, impressive results from her and is sometimes irritating as that can be to me that's what i want like yeah. i really want that because i don't want her oh that's really good when she thinks oh it's really not that good like right i need somebody to be that person yeah is it gotta mean something that i can yeah. go to and if they say it's good i believe yeah that it's good and i think my wife is that and it sounds like over the relationship you yours is the same way. i think we help it's i mean this is a weird way to say it probably but it helps you need you need to find the things like for me, like what I like about a performance is not what she likes about it. And it's important for me to really get that in my mind. Like I need to feel success about like one offs really hard for me because my voice is so loud and I don't talk loud. It's like next. So I've got to really ramp up to sing a whole. So if I go to a one off show, I feel like a million dollars if I gave a great performance and it was like really, but that's not something that she's going to care about. So I have to really like almost delineate those and go like, here's the things for me that I feel really proud of. They're the hardest work and I know why. And then, I kind of have to, so some of those other things, like, like an album, like, Hey, what do you think about this album? Like, what do you think that I can kind of like reserve that for her? It helps balance out. So I'm not looking for her then now to like say, Hey, that was so good. How you did that one off show that I've seen a million times. <laughs> you know what I mean? I've got to like celebrate my own sort of victories yeah. in there. Uh, question two of three. I don't know. You're going to put any music out. And I know we talked about genres, but will you target anything toward any traditional, genre based that's not christian um probably it's gonna be it remains to be seen a little bit but i think we put a couple of country artists on the record um and that's because there was a time like you know a few years ago i was looking at like the coachella lineup and then like what's um uh totally blanking on the name stagecoach i was like we would much rather play stagecoach than coachella 
Like it just doesn't, that doesn't even. So I was like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And we moved, and when I moved here five years ago, all these country artists came out of the woodwork. I'm like, Hey, I'm a big fan of the band. Um, and that blew me away. Cause I did not, I was not aware of that at all. So I think the idea of us, like, I don't know that we'll go to like country radio with a song. Um, but the idea that that genre is very wide open and, and so constantly changing. I feel like so much of that Zach Bryan stuff, all that like really singer songwriter stuff that's mm-hmm. like somehow in the country world now um, is open to us. So yeah, I think, I think that's an idea. We had Carrie on the last record. Old Dominion and Carly Pearson on yeah. this record. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, there's a, not, not completely sonically, at least not vocally, but I mean, you guys in Old Dominion to me have similar. Yeah. We met them doing the Allman Brothers cover thing in New York. That's and so I didn't and they were fans of the band before I didn't know that, um, but a similar kind of like this is a band man. It's like a vibe. You say <laughs> yeah. vibe. It's just a, you guys have similar vibes. Yeah, and you're all individually extremely talented, but then collectively it's like the sum is greater than the parts that were already great. Yeah, with both groups. Yeah, yeah. So all right, last question here. And you didn't want to come to Nashville for a long time. What's up with you in Nashville now? You like it? I, I struggle at times. Yeah, but what do you, what do you think about I, the city? You know, I, I oh, it's so it's a complicated answer, but I I love I love being here. I love living here. My family loves it here. Um, that was a tough move. We moved from Charleston, and my, and my wife was like, "What are we? Why are we leaving the ocean?" You know. Um, but I've really felt like a, a definitely a better community than I ever had there. Um, and so many of my friends, I probably already lived here. You know, that was easy. The ease of like traveling has been easier um it's really interesting to me like you know the broadway scene is not my scene obviously so there's certain parts of the pockets of the city um you know even how how like staunchly conservative it is at times that's a little like i'm like that that's abrasive to me um but what's been surprising i think is that i started i signed a publishing deal when i first came here because i was like write some songs for other people and i was like getting into these writing rooms and realizing how soulful the writers were. That was surprising to me. Like meeting like a Natalie Hemby. I was like, I can actually give her a piece. Like I can, I can bring this in and trust that she's going to. And so I found more and more and more of those people here. Um, and that's really surprising and fun. And then the, you put in the fact that it's like the talent level and the hustle is cool to me. Because Charleston, I mean, South Carolina in general was like very much like, well, oh, go here for vacation. It's really, it's a brunch spot. You know, it's like the fact that you can run into people that are just really trying to make it all the time and they've got a million things going. That's exciting for yeah. me. That's definitely where I want to be, you know, at this point in my life. Well, look at us, a Christian artist and a DJ just chopping it up. Just, <laughs> just <laughs> Both yeah. want to slap anybody who says that about yeah. us. <laughs> a big fan, really big fan. Hey, thanks, man. Um, really looking forward to the album. Uh, September 15th and I think you are you guys playing my the show are you guys gonna come play the show do we know that? I don't know I heard that that's possible I heard that's possible too I guess you and I are like that's the same. we're like yeah, I don't we know are, why I thought we're like, somebody said possible yeah. I don't know yeah well um yeah big fan and are you are you guys playing in Nashville at all yeah uh Bridgestone I wish I knew the date you are doing a Nashville show I'm actually looking yeah. up the date yeah yeah that's cool yeah well I will act like I'm gonna come Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. If I'll, be, I'll just stay at though now. I can't Someday. wait to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next 10 no, years. No, I've been to, You guys are yeah. awesome. Uh, live. Thanks, man. Like, and I, that's probably why I'm drawn so much to the live album. It's all coming to me now. I've seen you live. So I think that's why I'm drawn to the live album so much. Yeah. I had a th- breakthrough right here. A therapy moment <laughs> right here about Need to Breathe. Um, you guys check out Need to Breathe. Um, it's just as they spell their band on Instagram and TikTok, Need to Breathe. And if somebody spells it in lowercase, do you also want to punch them? 
No, that was a total marketing move at the beginning. Uh, we thought it looked better, and then we realized that on a festival lineup, it would show up biggest. It still does. Yeah, and it was That's brilliant. That's yeah, good. yeah, very good to talk to you, man. You too. Thanks for listening to a Bobbycast production. This is the year to stop overpaying for your family plan. So choose a straight talk wireless family plan. Unlimited data, talk, and text on a reliable 5G network. And you can get a new line starting at $25 per line per month for four lines, plus taxes and fees and no contracts. That's good decision making. Available at Walmart and on straighttalk.com. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. In times of traffic, your data may be temporarily slower than other traffic. Video streams at up to 480p. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.